So this morning, we're going to uh, wander around a little bit. Is that okay? Uh, our speaker from Alaska canceled because of a health emergency with his wife. So he flew back to Alaska. And so you're stuck with me today. Is that okay? And, and Amanda. Uh, and... You know, as most of you probably know, on the 30th of September, we celebrated 40 years of marriage. Uh, which is no minor feat these days. Um, and uh, I'm not saying it's all been a cakewalk. Uh, because I, I, I'll speak for myself. Uh, I'm a pretty strong-willed individual. I'm not going to say anything about her, but um, I'm a pretty strong-willed individual, and when uh, you get several people that are strong in their, their ways getting together, they, uh, they learn how to fight the good fight. Let me put it that way. Which means uh, in, in the midst of disagreement and conflict, you fight through to resolution without coming to blows. We've never come to blows, praise God. Uh, but we, we uh, neither one of us are quiet, meek. I, I mean, I'm more so, of course, but, you know. Um, I can say that because I got the mic. And, uh, um, but it's been quite a journey, and you know what 40 years means. That means we're coming out of the wilderness. Uh, we're coming into the land of promise, and that's what I'm wired for, and that's what Amanda's wired for. We've never been willing to make peace with uh, staying in the wilderness the rest of our life. We're going on into the land of promise, our inheritance. And uh, I'm, I don't know, some of you may be wired for the wilderness. That's up to you. You know, some people that do well in the wilderness, we call them sheiks. You know, they build a camp around an oasis and they learn how to prosper in the midst of the wilderness. That's not what I'm wired for. I'm wired to cross over into our land of inheritance. You know, I fully intend to come into my inheritance as an heir of God and a joint heir of Jesus. And Jesus' inheritance is nations. You know, there's, there's people that are saying, well, land and buildings are not important. Well, they're actually not as important as the spiritual house that God's building. But nowhere in scripture can you, can you confirm that. Uh, occupying the land is actually pretty important to the Lord. And, and we're going to occupy nations, not just the individual pieces of real estate. And so the Lord is all about that and how to steward the land in such a way that it comes alive and comes back into a place of blessing. Amen? Um, and I thought it was interesting because, you know, we're, we're prophetic enough here that that we try to get ready for the season that's coming, the wave that's coming, you know. Uh, anyone can, can identify the river after the rain comes and the riverbeds fill up. But, but it takes a prophetic nose to know where the river is going to flow when the riverbed is dry. Does that make sense? And so there's, there's, uh, there's a, a Sons of Issachar anointing, I believe, on this house that we're able to discern the times and seasons that we're in and, and get ready for what's coming. And it's interesting because uh, Amanda and I are asked to speak at the 
annual convention in Peru this year in December. And, uh, and one of my sessions that I've been assigned is digging ditches. And, uh, and if you think that's all about physical labor and, and, and all of that, you would kind of be wrong. Because it's, it's, the reference is in 2 Kings chapter 3, um, where, where the instructions to Israel when they were facing the enemy was, make this valley full of ditches. And so digging the ditches was in preparation for a victory in war. And, and when they had dug the ditches in instruction, uh, God's instruction of what was coming, God filled uh, the ditches with water overnight. And when the enemy came, it reflected red from the sun. And they thought it was full of blood. And they started fleeing without ever fighting. And, and it was actually God's strategy to help them win over the enemy. And so digging ditches is all about preparing for the victory that's coming. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to uh, stand in the victory and, uh, and allow Jesus to lead us there. And, you know, there's a lot of fear in the nation right now. There's fear in the, in the, in the body of Christ. There's a lot of, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of people peddling fear. And, uh, and fear is a primary strategy of the enemy. Because fear robs you of your discernment and your wisdom. When you're making decisions based on fear, wisdom is not an operation anymore. And discernment is not really doing that well. Does that, does that make sense? And so this is not a time for us to be in fear. This is a time for us to, to rise up boldly. And you know, in, uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it talks about to everything there's a season. And there's a time to every purpose under heaven. And uh, you know, so here I'm going to, it might sound like I'm contradicting Dan Moeller a little bit. Uh, what Dan said was true. We need to be instant in season and out of season. You know, God's healing power is not just available when there's a wave of healing. But there is something to be said for discerning the season that we're in and cooperating with the grace that's available in that season in a more pronounced way than it is at other times. And when you go back to uh, some of the teachings of, like Derek Prince, who was a very powerful uh, teacher of the word, he said healing is often like going down a freeway with controlled exits. And when the exit, uh, the, the, the exit uh, marker says healing, if you don't get off there, you're going to miss something that God has for you. Uh, and so there's specific times and seasons that the Lord has appointed for us to experience certain things at, a, at an accelerated, uh, in an accelerated way that's not available all the time in the same way. And so discerning the season is very important. Discerning the season of your life is very important. You know, if you're trying to bring in a harvest when it's planting time, that's not going to work very well. And so we go through those seasons in our life. And it's, 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 there's a lot of wisdom in knowing what the season is to cooperate with. There's a time to be born. When people ask me to pray that their baby comes quickly, I'm like, I'll pray that the baby comes on time. There's a time to be born, you know? And there's a time to die. And, and uh, there's a time to plant. And there's a time to pluck up what was planted. There's a time to kill. 
You know, there's certain times when it's time to kill some things that have taken root in our life, for example. You know, when there's a grace available to put to death something that you've been struggling with for a long time. There's, there's times for all those things. There's a time to heal. There's a time to break down, a time to build up. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. There's a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. How many of you know that's true? There's a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. I mean, if you've got some things you need to throw away, that just kind of highlighted to me. I've got some things I need to keep, and there's probably more things I need to throw away, give away, whatever. Unclutter. Uh, a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Yes, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. There's a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. So there's a profound wisdom in recognizing the season that we're in and what needs to be done in light of the season. Now, so I don't know, I, I don't know that I shared this publicly. I did with, with some people, but when I was in Peru, I had a dream. And, uh, and in my dream, uh, my crew was remodeling a house, interior remodel. And... Uh, and at the end of the day, we came outside. It was a house in the country. At the end of the day, we came outside the house, and I looked up the hill behind the house and a neighboring piece of property was an Amish crew, and they had a barn jacked up off the foundation. The whole thing was off the foundation, jacked up. Obviously, they were going to move the barn. And so as I watched, that barn started rolling down the hill. And I thought, oh, my goodness, they lost control. There's no way they're going to gain, gain control of that thing again. There's no way. Anyway, that whole barn came rolling down the hill, and I'm, like, I'm wondering, what in the world's going to happen to this barn? At the bottom of the hill, it hit a bit of a swale, and it did a 180, and it connected right to the front of the house we were working on. And that's where it stopped. Uh, like it was, uh, you could no longer see the front of the house. You could see the barn attached to the front of the house. And I remember thinking, I wonder how we're going to deal with this. Uh, but, you know, there's something that is happening, and, and, and I even heard reports after I come home. Uh, I've got a cousin, and I'm going to say this. I don't think he, anybody's going to get offended by, by me sharing this. I've got a cousin lives in, a, in an Amish community an uh, hour and a half away from here. Uh, he's... Uh, she, she's married to a, an Amish bishop. And after I came home, I found out that he had uh, come under so much conviction about some of the things that they've done through his ministry. He's 75 years old. That he took everyone that he's excommunicated during all of his years as a bishop, and he took them out of excommunication. Said he just doesn't believe in it anymore. And it's like a shockwave through that whole Amish community. Their foundations, that, that, that whole thing is coming off the foundations. Because, because men of God are beginning to recognize that, you know, men that love the truth, that those foundations are not right. And, and they're starting to do a 180. You know, that losing control, that thing come down the hill, losing control, and then did a 180 and connected to the house, which I believe is the house of God. 
They're, they're getting ready to reconnect with the body of Christ. And, 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 and before we were done remodeling, and to me, that's speaking of the new wineskin that we've actually been working on, establishing. Before, before we're done, here comes this thing. And, and so we're, we're digging ditches. We're making space. We're trying to get ready. We're trying to uh, facilitate. And we're trying to get ready for the next major advancement that the Lord will have us to make. And there's already some things in motion about that. And I'm not going to talk about that yet. But uh, we're coming into harvest time. And it's, it's a major time of harvest. And so uh, I'm inviting all of you to join with us in prayer to, to, uh, uh, that we would be able to be prepared, properly prepared. I mean, you can't ever fully prepare for what's coming, but that we would prepare as much as we can, at least positionally, at least that we would come into the right posture to where we're not completely taken off guard by what's coming, but we know what's coming and we're ready and we're ready to roll up our sleeves. We're ready to make whatever sacrifices are required of us. It's not time to go back to being comfortable. I'm just telling you, it's not time to go back to being comfortable. This lull in between waves doesn't mean, oh, it's time to go back to life as normal and usual and everything, get comfortable. That's, not, that's, that's the wrong message. Uh, so one of the tendencies of our Amish Mennonite culture has been to not want to concern ourselves with the issues of the outside world, outside of our own safe communities. You know, we, in, in, in that, we've kind of been like the hobbits. What goes on our, outside our borders is no concern of ours, right? That was the philosophy of the hobbits. That's kind of the philosophy of the Amish and Mennonite communities. What goes on outside there is no concern of ours. And uh, that's not going to work anymore because God's going to raise people up in our own culture and in our own community that are going to bring some answers in a time of need. You know, And so it's not time to be sitting back. It's not time to be getting comfortable. It's time to be getting ready for major advancements because the Lord wants to use us. You know, uh, I've noticed through my journey with the Lord of 36 plus years that what happens in the natural generally has a spiritual application or counterpart. Right? Well, you know what the you know what the Amish Mennonites are known for is their agricultural skills. So guess who the Lord's going to be looking to in a great time of harvest that's coming to the planet? He's remember Peter was a fisherman. Jesus said, You're going to be fishing for men, right? And so what we're skilled in in the natural tends to be what God uses us for in the spiritual. And so I I believe that our people are, God's got plans to use us powerfully in a great time of harvest that's in front of us. How many of you are into that? Now, you know, there's, there, I, I was raised doing all of that growing up and, you know, hay, making hay and thrashing and all that stuff. That's how I grew up. And even though it was hard work and, and we worked harder during harvest time than we did any other time of the year. Even though it's such hard work, there's such a fulfillment of knowing that the barns are filling up with crops that are going to take us through another winter, you know. And there's going to be plenty of food for the animals, you know. And, and this is even more important of a harvest than that. Uh, in Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 41, it says, As he drew near, this is Jesus drawing near, he saw the city and he wept over it 
saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Why would something? Why would God allow something like that to happen? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. The reason Israel, the reason Jerusalem was leveled was because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. The Messiah had come, the one they'd looked forward to for many centuries, and they didn't recognize him or the season they were in when he came. That's got to be one of the most terrifying things that can ever happen to anybody. Is that we don't recognize the grace that God is bringing us so that we can cooperate and receive everything that God has for us. Uh, Old Lester Summerall made a comment. I, I can't quote it exactly. I need to look it up. But he said something like this. Um, I learned to... I learned to walk with whoever God was using. And because of that, I was never on the sidelines. And when you look at Lester Summerall's life, very unusual in that every successive move of God, he was in the middle of it. All through his, life, all through his lifetime. And very unusual, but it's because he learned to recognize those that God was moving through, and he would walk with them. He'd be willing to go with them. You know, I grew up in a, in a culture that's like, well, if God wants to visit me, he knows where I live. Right? That's, that's kind of proud and arrogant. Right? If God's moving somewhere, I want to go get a piece of it. I'm going to go visit and bless what God is doing somewhere else. And in the process, I'm going to carry something home with me. Because I don't have everything that I need. I'm always looking for more. You know, when, when revival broke out in Toronto, the Lord said, that's a spiritual feast of tabernacles. And if you go celebrate it with them, you'll never lack for rain on your own land. And I did. And I haven't. The Lord has always reigned on my land. He's always poured his spirit out in my, in my home, in my family, in, my, uh, in the body that I'm connected with because I was willing to go and bless what he was doing in another place. And so, um, as sons and daughters of Issachar, it's so important that we recognize the significance of the season and specific time that we're in. And in wartime, sacrifices are made. Of our time and our resources. Men left their families and made those sacrifices at wartime. Didn't mean they weren't family men. Didn't mean family wasn't absolutely important to them. But it's we're fighting because we have families. We're fighting because uh, if we don't fight, what's going to happen to the future of our families? And so those were sacrifices that they were willing to make. When I hear people say, well, family is the most important thing, so that always comes ahead of church and whatever. I'm like, 
I don't think you recognize the bigger picture of what's going on. If I would have taken that attitude, I would not have been able to do what God called me to do. I wouldn't have. There were things that required sacrifice in order for me to fulfill the call of God in my life. And uh, right now it's time to organize for a major offensive at multiple levels. And, you know, I'm I'm going back to the thing, the, the philosophy the Lord gave me years ago. In most cases, the best defense is a good offense. And I believe the Lord is, is wanting to rally us uh, for another major offensive against the world of darkness and a harvest of souls. How many of you are willing to join me in a time of fasting, praying, seeking about how to organize and prepare for some major offensives? And when I say a time of fasting, please understand, I'm not asking you to sign up for 40-day water fast unless the Lord tells you to. Fasting is something that you need to be instructed by the Lord on, and when you do what God asks you to do, there's grace on it. I have never, when the Lord instructed me to fast, it's never been a struggle for me. Because he gives me grace to shut my appetite off, and just do what he asked me to do. You know, when I needed a major breakthrough in my family, when my mother was on her deathbed, and other crises in the family, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, if you'll do what Esther did, I'll do what you were asking me to do. I'm like, so I went back and I'm like, oh, Esther fasted food and water for three days. I'd never done that before. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And for three days, I wasn't hungry or thirsty because it was what the Lord asked me to do. Are you hearing me? So it's, it's when, when you do it because I asked you to do it, uh, you're, it's probably going to be a struggle. But when you pray and say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to join in with this fast? He'll, he'll give you instructions and you'll have grace to do what he asked you to do. Amen. And so I believe that there's a time. I also want to organize uh, before the end of the year uh, and, and, uh, and have us be fasting and praying leading up to the end of the year. Rather than praying and fasting at the beginning of the year, I want us to be fasting and praying leading up to the end of the year so that when we get together at New Year's time, we can get major vision and instruction for the new year. Rather than praying for that after the year starts. Does that make sense? And so between now and then, I'd like us to just be just praying and seeking God about how, uh, how we are to organize, how we are to prepare for a major year of offensive action against the kingdom of darkness and for a harvest of souls next year. Amen? Matthew 16, 1, and then I'm going to... Ask Amanda to come join me. Um, Matthew 16, 1 through 4. The Pharisees and Sadducees came testing him, asked what he would sh- that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, when, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. I don't know how many of you grew up 
you know, being taught about those signs in the sky and all that, I was. And it was, it was consistent. I mean, when it's red at night, you know, rain's, uh, you know, um, uh, rain, there's no rain imminent. It's going to be a nice day the next day. But when it's red, red sky in the morning, you know that it, rain's coming, you know. Um, then he said, hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. So, so let, me, let me unpack that a little bit. If you are able to understand the, the natural signs in the atmosphere and in the sky, you are able to develop the skills also of discerning the spiritual times and, and the seasons that we're in. That's what he's saying. You've, you've, you've got this thing developed in the natural, but you're totally oblivious when it comes to spiritual signs. And, and so the signs of the times right now are all around us. And I'm not saying that, like I said before, it's not a time to be scared. It's a time to get excited. What you've been created for is now in front of you. It's time to rumble with the enemy. Amen? It's time to prepare for war. It's time to prepare for major advancement for the kingdom. Amen? It's not time to be to be uh, thinking about taking it easy. It's time to be getting ready to march. And this army is going to march. So. so 40 years, honey, since we stood in front of your grandpa, the Amish bishop, and uh, said the German equivalent of I do. And... Uh, it was interesting because we had an interstate wedding. We were married in Ohio and had our reception in Pennsylvania. We were that, you know, her dad had property in both states, and so we, you know, it was only like three miles apart. Um, but uh, it was it was quite an event, and uh, and they were very shocked six months later when we said goodbye to that way of life, and we began our journey away from the Amish culture, and then a couple years after that, had a major encounter with the Lord and began this journey with him. And, uh, and so you might think, well, that's everything kind of probably got easier then. No, actually, the battle intensified. Uh, that's where the battle really started. And, and uh, before that, we probably weren't even in the battle. We, you know, we weren't engaged in the battle. But uh, here's one thing out of all, and then I'm going to turn it over to Amanda and let her share some thoughts. Uh, one thing that I want to share, okay, and this is especially for you uh, young married or going to be married guys, uh, and, uh, and I, want to, I want to read one verse, and it's out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them, them being the wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, when it says the weaker vessel, the vessel is the body. And women, especially during their childbearing and raising years, uh, 
are vulnerable to things that men are not typically vulnerable to. And if I would have waited for Amanda to come alongside of me and be able to do what I'm doing, uh, I would have waited a long time. Because she was not able to do or ready to do what I did through all of those years. And so her primary burden was the kids and, and nurturing them and taking care of them. And so she was not able to be at my side much of many of these years. There's an amazing thing that happens uh, during what we call menopause in women. And that is that the woman is rewired. I know this is not politically correct these days, but I really don't care. Uh, the woman during that time is rewired for the next major season of her life. And where she was wired previously to be uh, very much uh, more emotional because of the nurturing requirements for raising little kids and, and, and what it takes to nurture them when they're little, when they're growing, she no longer needs in the same way during the latter season of her life. Uh, so the Lord rewires her for what was, is often the most productive and the most creative season of her life uh, serving in the kingdom because she's no longer needed in that same way in her family. It doesn't mean she doesn't need to nurture and minister to her grandkids. That's not what it means. It means that she no longer has her own little children that she needs to be pouring into in the same way. And so recognizing that, I think, can save people a whole lot of grief because uh, guys, if you think that you are not able to respond because you're, of your wife's responsibilities and everything with the kids to God's call in your life, you're missing something. Uh, because you're, you need to be willing to go places and do things that she can't go with you and do, and do with you. Uh, and it's, it's, it's called being a man. It, and, and I know, like I said, I know this is not politically correct, but I'm going to tell you the truth about it anyway. Uh, it, it means that you're called to be the warrior. You're called to be the provider. You're called to, uh, to, to lead the charge. Uh, and, and there's going to be a time uh, that she's going to be able to join and be at your side more so. But during the time when those kids are little, when they're growing up, her primary responsibility is nurturing those little kids and keeping them uh, in a safe, protected place. And so that's one of the things that we had to learn. And then and then uh, there came a time when Amanda was called to be uh, more at my side in ministry, and she's able to do that a whole lot more. And she's got a grace she didn't have before. Amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her. So that's one of the little pieces of wisdom that I gathered over the years, and I'll let you add some things, and then we'll do some more. And we're going to have communion at the close of the service, by the way, and so be getting ready for that as well. Good morning. Um, so one of the things that I've discovered uh, a lot, uh, was huge, is that Yuri and I are not the same. We do not think the same, and uh, we are not motivated the same way. And I think that is a huge, that was a huge um, uh, key that I picked up and learned how to navigate into a good relationship, to have a good relationship. And so because of that, often when he shares something, I'm like, okay, i got to share the other side of it because there's another side of it. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, 
uh, add just a little bit of something that he, he said is how it's important that the man, like when the, the woman's primary responsibility often is her children when they're young and to be there. And, and it's hard, I think, when, when, a, when, a, when, a, when a woman has to go out and have a job, have that second job, because that is also different than what it used to be because there are often uh, households nowadays that you have to have a two income. So that when you are at work and stuff... Um, I don't think Yuri is saying that the man does not have to have any kind of responsibilities of taking care of and helping with the children. I don't think that's what he was saying, but he might have come across if you were wanting him to say that, if that's what you wanted to hear, men. I just want to remind you. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. And often, and I, I look at my ch- our children and I see how amazing they are as parents. And, and um, you know, um, uh, my son and his wife, um, they both have jobs. I mean, she's working at home and stuff, but she's overwhelmed with, you know, four little children, lots, and, I mean, just a lot of effort and a lot of emotional effort, uh, uh, um, energy that goes into that, that my son, he puts the children to bed every night. He bathes them and puts them to bed. And, um, and he also does laundry for her because that's one of the things that she has a hard time it's not her favorite thing and he's like I'll do it and now he's teaching his little kids because he's like I'm not doing this for long because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna start doing this. and that's he gets that from his mother she enjoys laundry more than about anything else I love laundry. <laughs> she's she she uh, this woman's got a relationship with her clothes I do, <laughs> I do. but it's so fun because um I see my son um, So now they're like uh, 11 to 6, 12 to 6. I think he's just turning 12. Um, 11. I'm telling you, they grow so fast. So uh, one day he got got this idea. Wait a minute, I don't don't have to do this all the time. I'm going to teach them how to do their laundry. And he's teaching them all to do their own laundry. And I think sometimes uh, that's a man's brain coming in, sometimes more than a woman because it's just easier for us to do it and not get on, you know, anyway, that's just, I'm just trying to add a little bit of extra in what he was saying. Okay. Um, another, I, one of the things that, that we learned as in very young in our marriage is that um, our first three and a half years before we got born again, um, our relationship was, um, okay, Yuri was from a, an Amish uh, home. Uh, his personality was very um, um, dominant, strong will, that type of thing. And my personality was um, more, I was passive. It was very much important that I don't get, that he doesn't reject me. So my biggest number one goal when I got married was to be so perfect, do everything perfect, that he never finds anything that he can complain about me. Because when he was, when I disappointed him, I took that as rejection. And so I had this long list every day of what not to do and what to do so that he would be happy. And it was only when I got born again uh, that the Lord did something in me and he put, a, he put a backbone in me and he wouldn't let me just be quiet and not have a, a voice. And so, and I realized later over the years when I've seen relationships, when, um, when one person, and it does not have to always have to be the guy, because you can have strong women marrying um, a little more um, 
passive men, because we usually ob- we opposites, opposites attract. And so, but I think if we understand that what a gift that is to each other, because I've seen, I've seen um, relationships where they don't, they don't um, push or they don't have, you know, if I would have stayed there, I, I, Yuri would have kept on being um, Yuri. <laughs> Not who he is today, man. No, you know, no. I That's no. Spirit's work. Right, but. right. But it would have been a lot. I would have been a lot easier from because because I've seen we've seen people. But we're clearly the the sharpest tools that God yeah. uses on each yeah. other. And so so I was able to yield and roll over to everybody else. But God wouldn't let me just to sit back and not have a have a voice. And I learned, you know, and I would all of a sudden, I if he if he would say something a little strong, I mean that I heard, I would push back, but I had to learn how to do it in the right way. So it was my own fault because early in our walk with the Lord, the Lord said, I want you to release your wife. And I should have read the fine print. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I didn't. Uh, And I said, okay, well, I didn't know she wasn't free, but okay, I release my wife. And then after a while, I wonder, hey, I wonder if I knew, I wonder if I knew what I was doing, you know. But but I'm really glad that I did because she would not have been able to come into her own identity and her own purpose and all of that. And you know, it it actually escalated the conflict. But listen, there's and that's another point I want to make. If you think that you have to find somebody that you don't have conflict with in order in order to to get married and have a have a powerful relationship, you're missing it. It's not about not having conflict. It's about learning how to work through conflict. And, and I've found that, that more than anything else, you have to have shared values. And when it comes right down to it, Amanda and I have shared values. And so we, we rally around those values. And, and I've given a picture before of, you know, we used to have a bipolar relationship. That's what I call it. I was the North Pole. She was the South Pole. Never the twain shall meet. Yep. You know? The Lord took us to Peru, took us to the equator, and we met in the middle. And it really was. It was a prophetic picture playing out. And, and we discovered that we have very common passions that, and, and values that we can uh, give ourselves to. And when you unite around values uh, and, and, and you can be moving in the same direction on your values, that's very powerful. Amen. So, so when I, now when I... When I, uh, I, I I also, I love when people find their, their one. I love to see when they fall in love. I even help introduce sometimes, you know. <laughs> you might be good friends, if nothing else, right? That, that, it makes my heart so happy. But I also know the reality and the hard work of a relationship. I know what it's like to, to be in this um, um, space when you fall in love that you're not really, uh, it, it's, it's a little bit of a fantasy. It's that your heart is, you know, it, it, infatuated with, right? But the fact is you get to have that. It might not look exactly the, 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 the same but uh, as, as what you in, uh, envisioned, but you can have, you can um, have a relationship that is so wonderful and uh, but it's you're not going to get it without 
being willing, well, I think the key thing that I, that is for us is that we were, we learned to hear the voice of God and we allowed the Holy Spirit when, 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 when the Holy Spirit was asking us to do something, we did it. We said yes, and we did it. And, um, and one of the key things that also that I uh, learned is that I can't be Yuri's Holy Spirit. I, I tried. I really tried. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so I learned that I need to allow, I need to be responsible for myself. I need to let the Lord um, work the, the, do, do the work in my own heart. And God is faithful. I, he always comes through, always comes through. I mean, he comes a little later, obviously, but he comes through. He really does. So, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on that because all of that's obvious, but um, but, I, but I am going to say this. The vision the Lord gave me a long time ago was that the woman would, belongs beside the man. And when I made the, the, read the scripture about her being the weaker vessel, that doesn't by any means mean inferior. In some ways, she's stronger than the man is, as, as <laughs> I can testify to. Um, but what it means is she belongs beside him, not behind him. And, and she has her role, and it's a powerful role. And, uh, and, you know, as the man is the head of the home, so she's the heart of the home. She brings something the man is not equipped to bring. And I know I'm generalizing, and, and it, 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 you know, it's not always exactly the same because it's, the equation's a little different in every relationship. But... But I am definitely the head of my home. And what that means is I bring security, I bring protection, I bring provision. Uh, I, the, the devil knows to get in my home, he's got to come through me. Amen. You know, and, 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 he, and he better know that if he crosses that line, he's going to pay. Okay? I am the head of the home. Uh, she's the heart of the home. She brings an atmosphere to the home. She brings uh, a, a nurturing to the home. She brings things to the home that I'm not equipped to bring. And so we're called, you know, our home would be a house without her. It'd just be a house. And really dusty. <laughs> dusty, dusty and boring. You know, I... I'll want something exciting, but I don't know how to put it together. She puts it together in the house. She, she makes it a home. And so, so uh, she brings an atmosphere to it. So I would never, uh, through the years when we would have conflict, and she'd say, well, she can just be quiet. I said, no, I do not want a doormat for a wife. I know it's harder, but I want someone beside me who has an opinion, who's not afraid to tell me what she thinks, and I want you to have a voice. I do not want you to be a doormat and hide behind me. That's not okay. You need to be by my side where you belong. Amen. And one of the things that I learned uh, through finding my voice and pushing against, because, you know, he had to, it was different for both of us, I know. Um, a new reality that we had to come into. But I, re I learned, this is what I learned, is that um, I, I, I would tell Yuri, okay, I want, let, hear me out. Let, hear my heart and my, how, my perspective in the situation. And then I, I learned to say this. Didn't do it right in the beginning. So I said, um, you, I release you to do it, make whatever uh, decisions you need to, after you hear my heart, 
And if you don't do it my way, I promise you, I won't get mad at you, you know. I released him to do that. And it was so amazing because every time I, I, I realized since after that, that he began, it changed how he did it and his resolution and how he dealt with the issue. It changed him. And I, 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 I saw that he heard my heart and it, and it really, it, it affected it. And so that was a really powerful. So this is the picture that I want to give you. When God took woman out of man, he took one side of him out. And he made it into a separate person. But we unite together when we get married in a covenant relationship. And when we're bonded together, we don't have a backside. You know, there's nothing for the enemy to sneak up on. And we have a 360 vision. Between the two of us, now and I'm seeing something completely different than what she's seeing. She's seeing something completely different than I'm seeing. But between the two of us, if we're able to see through each other's eyes, we have a 360 perspective. We have a total 360 perspective on life. Amen? And, and I, that was one of the, I think, the, the, the most powerful things that we, keys. Okay, I wrote down here is that one of the things is in life, and this goes for marriage or anything that we are, that is a dream in our heart desires in our heart in our heart is we have to be willing to pay a price we have to be willing to go the distance okay and um and then we learn from our mistakes because we're not going to know how to do it and we're going to make mistakes we're going to fall on our face but if we're willing to get up the lord will actually through our mistakes we identify we find keys and what makes it work and how we can do it and just for instance i know Yuri and I are so different, and I used to feel like, you know, it, God kind of handed him a, a pass, a card. Like, when he got born again, he instantly was delivered from his addictions, instantly. No withdrawal. And when he said something that when God tells him to go on a fast, he just, he just does it. And that's not my reality, and so I used to compare myself with his walk and what he experienced, and I just really felt like I, ha- I was so lacking. And I'd start questioning myself, I, maybe I didn't hear God because it's not working. So this is something that I just, I feel like each one of us um, has a journey. And, but in my contending for, to live out what God is asking me to do, I would find amazing keys and, and, and I had to partner with the Holy Spirit. I had to determine in my heart, no matter how many times I, I, I messed up and I had to rest, get up every day, I would start, you know, I would like, I would contend for it. I'm going to do this. Um, and I would, the Lord gave me so many uh, amazing keys that I get to use in my life. And I'm very intuitive. I became very intuitive as in how to walk it out. And... And um, Yuri will never be like me, um, as in the same, how, what the Lord asks. She got so intuitive that I figured she should know what I'm thinking without me having to explain everything to her. That was a cop-out. That was a total cop-out from Yuri. Yep. So I had to teach him to be a little more intuitive. Yeah. You got to explain it. You got, you can't just take for granted. Um. 
and but the, you know there there are many times because I didn't I okay so as a child I like to talk okay you probably figured that out already but that was not okay and that was um, I was re- I experienced a lot of rejection through that because. I was always shut down because that was not acceptable. And, I, and so I learned because I had such a need to be accepted, I, w- I, I was always, I hated that part of me. And so, so you learn the conversation. You learn what, how to say and how to be and how to act um, so people will re- accept you, right? And so when I got, so when we, um, that's what changed after I got born again. And I had to learn to have my voice. And um, that actually affected everything I did uh, to this day, you know, even the call of God on my life. But I I am so grateful that um, because if I wasn't learning, and and even in our relationship, you know, I I realized God did something. He did supernatural things in my life. I just didn't recognize it because it didn't show up in the same way. But when the Lord wouldn't let me. I mean, he, he made me voice my opinion to Yuri, knowing that it's going to cause conflict. It, 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 you know, and, and I didn't want conflict. I, I want peace. But, but I am so grateful that God wouldn't let me go. He made me, uh, you know, engage in this. And Yuri got to hear my heart. And I just think, I think that is number one the most powerful thing that we can have in a relationship is that we value each other. We learn to hear each other instead of just pushing it aside because if you have a certain person, you know, and Yuri is still really frustrating to me at times in a moment. I mean, yesterday we, we, we had a situation happen and I'm, I, I'm like, I can't believe it, but, but I'm learning what I believe, what I'm realizing is God was going deeper in a relate in, in a, in an area that, that we uh, are working, that he's working on. And I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say the situation. Well, I'm, you can, he can correct it, but, but, but what I'm realizing, but what I'm realizing is that uh, often what Yuri had this need to um, justify his actions or why he did say something. And I, I'm, obviously I did too. But I remember, I mean, when the Lord began do, dealing with me and, and, and we, we, we kind of had a, like a heated conversation and I realized afterwards that I wasn't mad at him. I wasn't because I would stew often, you know, in the past. I would kind of give him a silent treatment for a little while <laughs> to let him know that he, I was upset at him. And, and I realized that is what motivated him to have to, like, share why he did what he did and what he was feeling and what he was thinking. And, and I realized um, that after we had this, um, you know, moment of disagreement, um, I wasn't mad at him at all. And then, you know, an hour or so later, he came to me. and He's like, honey, I, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you why I did what I did. And I said, you know what? You do not have to justify anything. I just need you to know. I, I release you from that need to, to try to explain that. Because I am not mad at you. And, I, and, and, and nothing has changed uh, as in my heart for you. It was a, I needed you to hear my heart. And I just release you from the need to justify why you did what that because I love you and 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 what our conversation hasn't done anything negative to me and so that's what again Yuri is having to learn 
oh, I, you know, I don't have to justify. But that's what the Lord is dealing with us right now. And so there's lots and lots of, of uh, foundations and layers that he'll deal with you. Yeah, okay. He's let, me correct, let me correct something you said. Correct. You said the Lord would make me. The Lord doesn't make you do anything. No, no. I the Lord doesn't force you to do anything. You always have a choice to I obey know. or not. I know. So just so you know, that's uh, so this is why nothing I else that you said I have an issue with. <laughs> this is why I say he made me, is because I have to have peace in my heart. I can't do life without, I, I've learned to carry peace. And when I am, when there's things inside me that I'm pushing against what God is wanting me to do, I am so miserable. And I'm like, I remember saying that. I don't know even why I bother to pray because God does whatever he wants in his life. And Yuri was like, I can't believe you said that. But that's what I felt. He makes me so miserable that I have to give in to, in, in order to do it. But that's obviously was a season in my life that, that I was going through. And Amen. he doesn't, I don't, I mean, so anyway, do that anymore. I'm proud of the woman that you've become. And I'm so grateful for the work that God has done in both of us along the, along the way. And, uh, you know, I know he'll keep working out all the spots and wrinkles in your life, so. <laughs> and I am also so grateful for Yuri, and, and the relationship that we have is so amazing now, and we've had 40 years, and I, I'd love to have another 40 years, 50 years. Yeah, because we're going, and yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to receive communion in closing. And uh, it's a big deal. I was, uh, I was praying for Mary and Ian the other night. Mary's been struggling. Ian's been struggling physically. And as I was praying for them, I said, you know, I feel like you guys should take communion tonight. I said, can you do that? She said, yes. And, uh, and I said, because Jesus paid for your healing through his broken body. And through the, through the, the, the wine or the juice, uh, you receive new life. It's, it's, it's what cancels out the enemy's assignments. And, and it's, it's the new covenant in his blood. And the next morning, she texted me, and she said, we did. We took communion last night, and this morning, we're both much better. Uh, Ian's uh, temperature is back to normal, and, and we're going to be fine. So um, the Lord did not leave us without recourse and without remedy. And, uh, and so I just want you to know that Jesus paid for everything that you need. And this morning, as we... Uh, receive uh, as we take the bread we receive of his broken body father we just receive all that jesus paid for for our brokenness for ourselves and our minds our emotions in our memories in our bodies in our families we receive healing for all of that would you enlarge our faith so that we don't just limit ourselves to what we're open to receive.
We just receive healing for our families. All the brokenness in our family, all of our kids that are hurting, that are struggling, that are angry. That think you're mad at them. Whatever it is, we receive healing for them. And as we drink this juice or wine, we thank you that it's the new covenant in your blood. And we receive all that you paid for, Jesus. Any part of our life that's not operating in new covenant, new covenant power, we submit to the power of your blood. And we ask that everything that has stood against us up till now would be canceled. And that you would bring us into the power of the resurrected life of Jesus in every area of our life and our family. In Jesus' name.